2: This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play!
3: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Jess and Meg edition on this OU Women's Wednesday, We've got a special one coming up for you today. But first, wanna thank you guys once again for uh, listening to Lindsey Gray Walton last week. If you did happen to miss it, you can uh, check them all out right there. Uh, Subscribe to us. You can uh, listen to all the ones we've done. And this is now week three, and we are super excited about today's guest. Once again, I'm Jessica Cootie with Meg McDonald. And if there's anybody that knows and understands my excitement level for this today's (laughs) guest today, it's Meg McDonald.
4: Hey, you could argue that Taylor Robertson is one of Jessica's favorite athletes at OU. And then Caitlin Milligan, she plays golf. She'll be in the second interview, is one of my favorite athletes at OU. Golf and basketball, a great mix. But first, we start off with uh, Taylor Robertson. She's just the third OU sophomore to score 1,000 points, joining elite company Courtney Paris and Aaron Ellenberg. Robertson drained 131 three pointers during the season to break the OU single season. Record, of course, that broke the Big Twelve single season record as well that has stood since 2002. Jess knows she has such a pure shot. She's the first one in the gym, last one to leave. And Jess, you actually got to be on the call for her 1,000th career point.
3: Yeah, uh, super, super big honor for me. I actually got to call Anna Yanous's 1,000th point and Taylor Robertson's 1,000 point this season. Pretty, pretty special uh, for me as a lifelong Sherry Cole and Oklahoma women's basketball. Program, uh, I think you know we get caught up in, in talking about um, Taylor Robertson in her records and what she's done, but I think it's just remarkable what she has to do night in and night out against defenses doing everything they can to shut her down. I was able to work on a piece uh, this this year once she broke the record. I uh, kind of went into all the post game press conferences when opposing teams would come to Oklahoma and ask them some questions about what it's like to face Taylor Robertson. And just, you know, hearing their take on, you know, we know that she can shoot it. I mean, obviously, it's in the game plan. You, you might not have been able to tell with what she did, but we game plan for her. And, <laughs> you know, again, night in and night out, these these coaches talking about there's nobody in the country doing what she's doing. She's the best shooter in the country. There's a reason why, look, you know, even opposing co- Coaches, coaches take notice that she's the first person on the floor every single time she's there putting up shots over and over again that pays dividends and I, I don't know if you're not a basketball player if you don't understand you know you there are certain things that yes you were absolutely God given you're born with um, it's a natural talent but there are certain things that you were not in the way that she, the way that she shoots the ball she has worked for she has put in the time to to get to that level. We get to I, I actually you know broke it down a little bit with her in this interview um, about kind of the ins and outs and maybe for somebody that's wanting to be a shooter like her how you get to that level. But I, I also think important to note the way that the season ended the way that it did. She led both the NCAA men's and NCAA women's in made three pointers this year. So not even just the best women's three-point shooter the best in all of college basketball across the entire country led every single three-point shooter in the nation this past year as just a sophomore so again all these records that we talk about all these accolades and feats just the very beginning of what taylor robertson is is going to do throughout her career so let us let's uh, get right to it shall we so taylor robertson Coming up right after this, and again, you're listening to the Sooner Sports Podcast, brought to you in part by AT&T, America's Best Network, Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Oklahoma Athletics, Metroplex Electric, We Can Be Your Electrician, and OU Extended Campus. Degrees online, on-site, on your schedule become the tradition. Welcome back to the Sooner Sports Podcast, everybody, and we are so pleased to welcome in the best shooter at all of college basketball, Taylor Robertson. First question for you, are the nets in your driveway completely worn down during this quarantine time?
5: Yes, one already <laughs> ripped. We had to get a new one already.
3: I knew it. I knew it. Hey, but you're loving uh, having the extra time to shoot, right?
5: Oh, yeah. All day.
3: Do you? Okay we well, I know that you have a routine that you kind of do sometimes like when you're at the gym but is it the same now like what is your what is your everyday daily routine when you're shooting right now.
5: Um, Sometimes it's a little different because I don't have a rebounder. Um, I do a different one if I'm by myself or if I can get somebody to rebound for me then I do something similar that I would in a real gym.
3: But you don't really have to chase it very much right like because it goes in most of the time right so it's not like you need <laughs> that rebounding is not that big of a deal for you so I'm told by your managers it's pretty easy job it just comes right through the net you could just catch it and throw it back. um well hey I I wanted to start with how how has life been how have you been kind of managing life without your typical routine uh what's it kind of been like for you
5: um it was kind of hard at first because I just felt like I was bored all day because I was used to like going to school and then having practices and like all kinds of like workouts and stuff so it was a little bit of an adjustment but um just having all day to work out and like do it on my own time and spend time with my family it's pretty cool I in thought that it. way
3: yeah um if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that when the season ended you would have led the entire country both men's and women's NCAA basketball and made three-pointers what would you have said
5: I don't know if I would have believed you at first because that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. It's just – I thought that would have been really cool.
3: It's, it's – I mean, and you did all season. That's what's crazy. And even at one point, you were even – you had more made threes than James Harden and some of the NBA guys. Um, and and a, at a higher percentage rate. Going into this season, I think everybody knew the kind of shooter you were after your freshman season. Did you do anything different to try to help prepare yourself for some of those defenses that you were going to see going in as a sophomore when the, the scouting report was out on you?
5: Um, just like in the offseason, um, especially with Jackie, um, we worked a lot in the summer um, reading screens and then finding different ways to use screens um, and just try to get more open looks. And then um, um, getting faster and stronger helped also whenever – somebody's face guarding me the whole time, um, just to try to get a free look. Is that, I mean,
3: you've been face guarded your whole life, right? But I mean, it's probably a little bit different Mm -hmm. when you're facing some of these teams that have some really athletic guards, right?
5: Yeah, for sure.
3: Um, How much of it too is not just you kind of working on your, your game, but your teammates kind of figuring out how to set those screens how to find you in those open spots. How big of a role, role did that play as well?
5: Um, it was huge. Um, like, towards, like, as the season went on, it almost became easier sometimes to get open looks for me because everybody started to kind of figure it out and compared to last year when it started happening a little bit. Um, like, just being able to have the experience of going against, like, that kind of defense uh, helped everybody out.
3: So I get asked all the time about your quick release, you know, because you hear that all the time, uh, you know, between commentators, coaches, you know, I did a piece on with the big 12 coaches, and that was the first thing that they almost all of them said is that you can get it off so quickly that you don't need much space. How do you develop that quick of a release? Is that something that you've been focused on? Because it seems like it was even a little bit quicker this year than it was last year. Is that, is that the case? Was it?
5: I think it is quicker or it was quicker this year, Um, but it's just because of so many reps um, and just like catching it and shooting, like just catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, like just over and over. And over time um, it just got quicker almost naturally.
3: You have to tell yourself, like you, are you thinking in your mind, okay, I've got to shoot this quicker. It's like a, a, like an effort, like a conscious effort every time you shoot that to make it quicker, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Um, what about like, was that something that your dad kind of, once you started shooting the ball really well, and you know, because I think for most people probably know your story by now that your dad was huge in helping you develop that shot. Was that something that you knew that you were going to have to do being that people were going to key in on you um, shooting, shooting the ball from the outside?
5: Oh, yeah, that was always something we worked on. We didn't want to have any wasted like motions in my shot and just catch it and go straight up with it. Um, just to try and be faster especially once like I started playing in like high school and the bigger AAU tournaments because I just had to shoot it quick, otherwise I wouldn't get to shoot at all.
3: So moral of the story here folks is if you want to shoot it like T-Rob you better get your butt in the gym in the driveway <laughs> and you better get the shot ups right the shots up right uh, if for somebody that's listening that has a daughter or maybe a high school player or a, a junior high, somebody that's listening right now, what advice would you give to them to become an elite shooter?
5: Um, That you have to do it every day consistently. Um, You can't expect to become a really good shooter in like a month, two months, even like a year. It's just something that like is over time. You just have to get up three, four, 500 shots every day, like consistently for a really long time. And eventually um, you'll be a really good shooter.
3: Do you have like a a quick little routine or like a, you know, that you could, that people could start with?
5: Um, yeah. Um, I, well, I normally do sometimes when I don't have like a lot of time to be outside, like weather or something, like it's about to like start raining, but I do, um, 10 at each of the five spots form shooting, just like really close, just to like get my form going and like kind of warm up. And then, um, I back it up to like 10, 15 feet, and then do 10 at five spots again, and then back up, do threes, 10 at each spots, and then um, 50 free throws. That's just a quick, easy to get a bunch of shots up really quick.
3: That's awesome. Hey, another uh, – you, you mentioned Jackie Styles, and I wanted to ask you about her because I think it's a really cool story that, you know, she was Sherry Cole's first recruit, and then, uh, you know, Coach Cole talked about how Jackie broke her heart when she uh, – chose to go to uh, Missouri State. And then um, when Jackie was coaching there, she started recruiting you and you, I think they were your first offer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she comes to your house and your room is decorated <laughs> in OU and she said, I knew if Coach Cole offered her, she was going to OU. And then so it came full circle and you broke Jackie Styles' heart. So <laughs> take me back to when you first met, well, Did you know of her growing up as a player, like what she did as a as a basketball player?
5: Um. Yes, I knew of her, and I went to some of her basketball camps that she had. She had a couple in Wichita. I would go to those, and so I kind of knew her growing up, not really personally, but like we knew of each other a little bit. And then um, whenever she was at Missouri State, she was already like talking to me in like seventh and eighth grade, and um, my early years in high school, just because we. Knew each other from her basketball camps.
3: So was that a hard call for you to make to tell her, hey, I'm going to Oklahoma?
5: Very hard. It really made me sad because I knew like how invested in me she was. And because I called um, the head coach there and I told her to not tell Jackie yet because I wanted to be the one to call her to tell her. Um, And I did. And that was one of the hardest phone calls I've had to make.
3: So then take me through back through when you find out that she's going to come coach at Oklahoma, being that you had such a special relationship already with her. And then Coach Cole, did she tell you, hey, Jackie Styles is going to be our assistant coach? Like, what what were, the, what were the emotions like for you when you found out she's going to come to Norman?
5: Um, it was just crazy. It was hard to believe that was true because she wanted me so bad at Missouri State and that she was actually going to come here and I'd be able to play for her like, it's hard to describe it because like we knew each other so well. Like we talked on the phone for hours, like whenever she was recruiting me first. So for her to come to Oklahoma, it was just really special.
3: That's awesome. So what has it been like working with her now? Cause she's known for her work ethic too. Um, I think pretty much all the great shooters are, Um, but you know, she was relentless in her dedication to her shot as well. And of course left at the top of all the record books when she was done playing. So when you two get in the gym together now, what is that like?
5: Um, it's just really cool. Um, I just try to learn as much as I can from her because she has such a great basketball mind. Her IQ is just off the charts. Um, just especially offensively and defensively, Um, just like learning as much as I can, like just picking her brain like on every single detail to just see like what she has like that I can learn from.
3: Do you feel like, you know, because – I don't know. This, this might sound like a crazy question or a weird question, but like, you know, I was asking her about this when she first started and that she's going to be in charge of the defensive scout because she had to go up against like some of the best defenses. Does that make you even more equipped, make her even more equipped to be able to, you know, build a defense because she knows what works type of deal. And you mm-hmm. too, like, you know what, how much of a nightmare it is. Some of the defenses are that you face.
5: Yeah, for sure. Uh, just, because you're such she such, she was such a great offensive player that it's easy almost easy for her to know how to stop other play, other great players too because that's what she had to go against every night whenever she played
3: that's awesome um, okay, so I'm sitting here looking at I've, I think it's Steph Curry I can only see uh, yep Steph Curry right mm-hmm. over your shoulder um, you you've told me this story before, but for some of those that might be listening that have not heard this story just kind of. Walk us through, you, um, you watch a ton of game film on him. What is it about Steph Curry? And how much have you taken away from his game and applied to yours?
5: Um, he's probably one of the best shooters of all time in the NBA, but he's not just a shooter also. Um, just his ball handling skills. Um, he can do all kinds of crazy moves like in games to either get his shot off or get to the rim and finish. Um, And he's just a really good passer. Also, he makes some insane passes, like no looks, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I just really like watching him, and that's who I want to shoot. Like,
3: that's awesome. So, rank me your top five favorite players of all time, basketball players
5: of all time. Yep. Okay, Steph is one of them for sure. I would say Steph, MJ, LeBron, Kobe. Larry Bird.
3: That's awesome. Love that, you threw Larry Bird in there. So are you a fan of Brady Manix game then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, w- what about women growing up? Who did you kind of maybe look up to or maybe kind of role models for you?
5: Um, Dana Tarazi. Yeah. Uh, and Sue Bird. Both of those were big for me. I really like them still.
3: So were you a Yukon fan then?
5: Yes, for a little <laughs> bit, for a little bit.
3: But always owe you. Oh, yeah. For always owe sure. you. Um, I had another question about, um, just forgot what I was going to ask you about. Oh, the um, documentary uh, on Michael Jordan. Are you obsessed with it? Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it.
5: Yeah, I can't wait for Sundays now.
3: What was your biggest takeaway from week one watching that? Um, MJ, he's just different like in everything he
5: does he's a no nonsense like when he was playing he was like no nonsense just get in the gym and work um like we had no distractions he was just focused on little things in his game um and that uh, whenever he took um I think it was Danny Ainge golfing the day before <laughs> one of the playoff games and then he was just trying to be his buddy and like almost, like, be friends with him, and then after they left, he told whoever else was with him that he better watch out in the next game, and then dropped, like, 60-some on him.
3: Yeah, um, I that's love just, that part.
5: He's just insane.
3: Do you, um, like, find yourself inspired? After, I mean, you already work a ton and spend a lot of time, but do you find yourself even more motivated after watching something like that?
5: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, If it wouldn't have been so late and so dark where I can't even see outside, I would have went out and shot, but I was up the next morning going to shoot on my driveway. Um, It it just makes me want to be like, just be like him, even though no one can be like him, but try and be as close to him as I can and just like work as hard as he worked all the time.
3: Hey, didn't Larry Bird preach to shoot in the dark? I think he was a big, big advocate of shooting in the dark. Okay. So obviously there's still a lot of unknown with how this thing is going to go down, but being that you guys kind of were starting to figure some things out and you were in so many games last year, how much confidence do you have kind of returning with this group of players? You guys are kind of have been so young, but when you do get back to it, how much different do you feel like it's going to be now that you're not a sophomore, you're not a freshman, you're kind of going to have that experience in your back pocket?
5: Um, I think it's going to be totally different. Um, Our whole team has so much experience. Probably compared to most teams, we'll have the upper hand, finally, in experience (laughs) level. Um, That always helps. But we just – we almost know what it takes now, what we need to do. Because we were so close in so many – especially down the stretch in so many games, like, over and over. Um, And I think that we have finally, like – had our maturity level like keep going up and i think we'll finally be able to finish all those close games that we've been in.
3: What is uh the coaching staff coach Cole's communication been like during this time because i know she's a huge reader and obviously a very uh inspirational motivational type of person. Uh has she been um giving you guys some like reading tips and uh what what's the communication been like with her?
5: Um well every day in our group she texts um, thought of the day, Um, and those are really good, Um, and then we've been doing, um, outside of our team meetings, we've been doing a focused activity to try to, you pick something to, that you're going to focus on, and see how long you can go without getting distracted, because that will help us when we finally all get to come back, and those have been really fun.
3: That's cool. Do you have, okay, I you, for those that Don't know you very humble, very much a team person. So for the numbers that you put up, you don't really care about that. I know, but like, you know, that that is what you bring to this team. So you do know that you have to shoot, shoot the ball and shoot it well and shoot, you know, put up those, a lot of threes. But do you have, do you set goals for yourself? Like, of, Hey, I want to hit this many or, Hey, I want to shoot this percentage, or is it more so just what I'm given any given night?
5: Um, Ever since I was a freshman um, at Oklahoma, like before the season, we set like goals. One of my goals was to shoot 60% from three. I haven't hit 60% yet, but. In a game or for the season? No, for the season.
3: I was going to say, you've you've had (laughs) it a few times in a game. That's crazy, though. But I mean, they said, the coaches tell me all the time. It was so funny. Coquise Washington, we had her on our, uh, the at the Rudy show, she filled in for Shuri one time. And I always like to hear people's perspective the first time they go in the gym with you. And she said that, you know, she is just watching you shoot and she's like, okay, there's no way she shoots like that in practice. And then you get in practice and she's like, there's no way she shoots like that in a game. And then it's like, okay, she shoots like that in a game. But it is not, I mean, like a a 50% day for you in practice, they'll say is an off day for you. So, I mean, it's doable, right? I mean, is it, it's just, are you thinking, you can't really think about the percentage, but like, how do you get there? Is it shot selection? Is it just, you know, I mean, again, just continuing to work. Like, how do you, that's crazy shooting 60% from three. But Um, I I think it's
5: a little bit. Go ahead. A little bit of both, Um, like shot selection a little bit, because sometimes I, either force it or have to, um, but just shot selection and then making sure that I knock down the few wide open ones I get because I know I missed a couple or quite a few wide open ones this year it seemed like, um, but just getting in the gym, working, just like keep working because you can, ne- you're never, like never settle because you can always keep improving. That's
3: very, very good, good perspective. Do you hear when the fans are shocked when you miss like when you have an open one like people just assume that it's going in and then it's like oh like it just didn't happen very often people are like oh like it's like a a reaction that you hear in the crowd
5: Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh man but I wouldn't have it any other way but I hate when that happens
3: (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you gotta miss right yeah It happens. (laughs) It happens. Just very, very on very few occasions for Taylor Robertson. (laughs) Well, we appreciate your time. It's been fun talking to you. I'm sure we'll have you on again, but, um, always love hearing the perspective of a shooter, because I think what a lot of people don't understand is that, um, the work that it takes to to shoot the ball, uh, like you do. And I think that's why your teammates respect and admire you uh, so much because you have put in the work to get there. So thanks again. And, uh, What's what's on on the docket for the rest of the day? You going out to shoot? It's a nice day today, right?
5: Um yeah, I'm about to go shoot, play a little Fortnite. It'll work out. Oh yeah, out.
3: yeah. You uh, you're a big Fortnite person. Who who are you battling in Fortnite these days?
5: Um, I'm playing with my brother. We team up in duos. Yeah. We take a lot of dubs.
3: Um, I I'll bet you do. And then uh, <laughs> social media, tick, You've been Tik or what?
5: Not lately. I haven't done one in a while, but I might have to
3: bring it back. Yeah. You may have to hop back on there if I'm, if I'm pubbing you on this thing. <laughs> All right. Well, Taylor Robertson, appreciate your time. look forward to seeing you back in the gym soon.
5: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
2: We'll get you back to Meg and Jess here in just a bit, but right now we are joined by Megan duty. She is with live Norman. She is the customer sales and experience manager and really appreciate her taking the time to join us here on the podcast. All right, educate me a little bit, Megan. What exactly is Live Norman?
1: Live Norman is OU's premier student housing, and it's made up of three properties, Varsity House, Crimson Park, and Cottages of Norman.
2: So it's different, right? And it's unique because you've got three groups coming together. Take me through what makes Live Norman different and how it separates, separates itself from other student housing communities.
1: Live Norman um, is different because we cater to each student's lifestyle, their budget, and their floor plan preferences. Um, Every property
2: can cater to each student. So can you take us through what then this has been like for you? You know, you're going through this process where there's so much unknown. What has this experience been like and the challenges that have been presented for you personally? I mean, this has probably been as as tough of a stretch as you've gone through and just trying to make sure the word's out there that, hey, we're here and we're going to be here during this time.
1: It has definitely been very different for us, um, but it's giving us a new opportunity to reach out to our students in a different way. Um, Everything is very virtual and social media, um, but it's been pretty cool being able to interact with people that way.
2: Is there a way, you mentioned how it's virtual right now, is there a way, a website that we can hit up that will help us better understand it and, and kind of everything about it?
1: Yes, our website is live normancom or you can visit us on our Instagram, and it's live norman.
2: So the varsity house, which is amazing, uh, crimson park, <laughs> and the cottages as well too. It's really unique how you've brought them all together. But I mean, again i I always get asked like my favorite this, my favorite that, and you're like I love all my kids. So in this instance, do you have a favorite? Is there anything that really stands out to you from each place?
1: Um, From each place, I definitely do have a favorite. Varsity House is they have the coolest clubhouse. They have a lot of amenities to offer. Um, Crimson Park has the best pool, I think. And then they have a really great hammock garden that's like perfect place to go out and relax. And then the cottage community is definitely my favorite place because it just has like a community feel to it and the cute cottage houses.
2: I love the fact that there's a website here where you can just go live-norman.com and you can basically go through everything. I can click on the cottages of Norman and I can see floor plan layouts. I can do the same thing for every single offering here, Crimson Park, Varsity House. You mentioned that virtual side of it. I can only imagine that that's been key in this entire process for you to have that entity to help spread the word. Right, Megan?
1: absolutely um the website our instagrams um really have gotten the word out there for us we've been doing virtual tours
2: that's got to be fun that's got to be fun to kind of take through the virtual tours all right i know you're a sooner fan so i got time for two more questions here before we get you out but i've got to dig into your sooner sports memory if we go (laughs) back megan what's your favorite oklahoma sooner sports memory
1: My favorite OU memory is during my first football game when they brought out the pride and the Sooner Schooner. And I really just got to witness the hype and of OU tradition.
2: You know, what's funny is when I have family members that come, I'm from Illinois. So when I have family members that come in town, they are just in awe of our state pride. And to a <laughs> – I'm not even kidding. It's funny you bring that up, Megan, because almost every single person, they say, yeah, whenever I saw everyone singing Oklahoma and the flag unfurl and the pride of Oklahoma, it can really be a goosebump-inducing moment, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's great. All right, final thought, and I'll let you get out of here. How is Liv Norman involved with the Norman OU community, and what are you guys continuing to do to reach out?
1: Um we've had the opportunity to support ROTC, the Pride Greek Life, Camp Crimson and International Student Organization. Um we also enjoy our partnership with Campus Corner and other local small businesses. Um just keeping in touch is really what we are all trying to do right now during all of this, but it's going it's going really great.
2: live-norman.com that's live-norman.com On that website, there's tons of phone numbers to contact whomever you might need to talk to. And I got to tell you something, Megan, I've appreciated your time. Thank you so much for uh, giving us the 411 on everything going on with Liv Norman and look forward to talking to you soon.
1: All right, thanks for having me. The Sooner Sports
3: Podcast is brought to you in part by Slim Chickens. There are a lot of reasons to order online and pick up at Slim Chickens. Get started at slimchickens.com or download our app. Also Philip 66 live to the full and Sooner fans. If you are interested in OU football season tickets for the 2020 season, call or text 405-325-2424 today for more information or log on to Soonersports.com. Don't miss a second of the action. Now here's Meg with Caitlin Milligan.
4: Hi everyone, Meg McDonald here with OU golfer Caitlin Milligan, the junior who just last year qualified for the 2019 NCAA championships as an individual. After winning the NCAA Norman regional, Caitlin, what's going on? What have you been up to in the past month or so?
6: Um, I've just been hanging out at home with my family and some friends and um, social distancing. Um, I've been getting out to the golf course when I can, which has been good. I've been taking my dog on walks and he's really tired. (laughs) Um, But other than that, kind of just taking a break and enjoying the slower lifestyle Um, I feel like we go 90 miles an hour all the time, and um, it's kind of nice to just, you know, take a break and slow down and enjoy some other things in life that sometimes we don't have time to enjoy. Uh,
4: What dog do you have? What kind of dog do you have?
6: I have a German Shepherd. Cute. What's his or her name? His name is Bronx, Um, but the problem is he's kind of old, and um, I took him on a two-mile run the other day, and he was tired for about three days, so... (laughs) Um, my dad was like, Caitlin, you know, he's getting old and you gotta be careful. You can't be taking him for like two miles. Like he doesn't run that much and you need to slow it down. So poor dog, but I think oh,
4: outside. Like guy. <laughs> <from that> <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen a ton of golfers who either create their own chipping greens, putting greens in their backyards. Lindsay Gray Walton, the volleyball coach, her husband actually created his own putting green over this time of isolation and then you see golfers who have like the who bought the putters that roll up in your house have you done any of that
6: i haven't i have seen some really cool trick shots though that i want to try um, like in the backyard or even in the house um our assistant coach Serm, he's been sending us some cool ones and he even did some of his own so i'm i'm ready to try a few of those when i get the chance
4: so as we tape this interview, April 25th, Saturday morning, this would have been the weekend you guys would have played at the Big 12 tournament in Dallas. How has this team been able to stay in communication? What does that look like?
6: Uh, we've been Zooming every week. We've been having team meetings every week um, with our mental coach, Dolores, and um, our strength trainer and, like, a few other people and our coaches, and we've just been talking about what this means and how we can make the most out of our time. Um, but overall, it's just really good to see everyone's face like once a week. And then we've started individual meetings with our coaches, which is good. Cause I think I forget how much I just go in there and talk to my coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like formal meetings, but just like talk to them and kind of missing out on that. So, um, we've all been sending like funny snaps and, uh, we have like an Instagram group and we send like funny Instagram things or like golf things. And, or inspirational quotes to like keep us going through this time, and um, I think we've been handling it really well as a
4: team, um, so it's been pretty good. If you could pick one teammate who has the best trick shots, who would it be?
6: Oh my gosh, can I pick Serm because that man <laughs> can do anything with a wedge? Um, geez, like what? Those, I, mean, what does he I do? don't know anyone who's really tried it, I know Sydney tried it in the co like right before all this happened and Mm -hmm. and that was funny. She was doing it with a ping pong ball and it was pretty funny. So um yeah but serm is just unbelievable with a wedge and like he's so creative that like things just happen and I'm like, how did you even think of that? (laughs) Um yeah. Like what does he do? I I honestly like don't even know how to explain it. He just like picks up his club and like things just happen. Like I don't know if he knows what he's trying to do, and like, it, but it just happens, and like, everything's funny. Like he made it in a cup of water, like it bounced it in the other day, like off of something. I don't even know how he comes <laughs> up with this stuff, but
4: it's <laughs> awesome. a trick shot wizard, sir, missed. Okay, I do want to get into your background just a little bit because you do have a pretty cool story. Norman native. Um, I will plug the feature I did on you last year if you have not seen. The feature on uh, ss.tv, go take a look, self-plug, do not care. But as a Norman native, when did you originally start playing golf? And then when did you consider golf a part of your life, not just an after-school activity?
6: Um, I probably started – actually, this is funny because I was born in Tulsa, and I'm in Tulsa right now. And um, I drove – my parents gave me the address to our first house here. And I drove by the other day and my dad texted me. I like sent him a picture and he was like, do you see the scratch marks from your wedge on the sidewalk? So I guess I've been doing it since I was pretty little. Um, I know I started competitive golf when I was around seven. Um, And then from then on, it was pretty much a big part of my life. It was like a way for me and my dad to bond. And that was pretty cool. And like, we still do that, which is awesome. Um, I would say, I played a lot of other sports until I was in middle school, and then once I was going on to high school, it was like a really big decision on whether or not I wanted to play volleyball in high school or not, and I decided not to, and I think that was kind of the turning point. Like, I was being recruited, and I think it it was like time for me to kind of pick, and then that was kind of when golf became probably my main priority.
4: So you ultimately chose to go to the University of Oklahoma, kind of stay close to home. What was that decision like?
6: gosh, that was so long ago, but it was, it was an amazing experience. I mean, I'm so thankful to be around my, be able to see my family, like whenever I want and kind of, you know, you grow up watching these senior athletes on TV and they just, they seem like, you know, these big, like almost movie stars when you're growing up. Right. And to be able to be in that position now and be one of those people is like, it's just an amazing experience.
4: You're a huge advocate for the mental side of golf. How did you originally realize the importance of that in your actual game?
6: Um, My dad had been stressing it for a while. He was like, you're the only one getting in your own way. And like, I just was like, no, like I just need to practice. Um, (laughs) And a couple summers ago I did this like mental training camp. Um, It's called boost. And You know they talk about meditating and they talk about positive self-talk and like all of this stuff and it kind of seems weird almost at first and you're like no way that works um but then as soon as you like to that point where you're like my game is good but like so maybe let's try a different you know a different way of getting better and once you like realize that and do try the techniques that they teach like it's amazing the difference that it makes especially When your game is not there and I think that's the most important part of golf is like it's not how good you how good you are when you're playing well but it's how good you are when you're not and I think the mental part of it was what really helped me get my like rear end kind of up there you know um but I feel like just you know meditating positive self-talk and all that like it was weird at first and you're sitting there talking to yourself kind of and or really like focusing on within and it's like just you like learn a lot about yourself. And I think it's not only important for golf, but even like for life and being positive in everything you do. And um, I don't know, it kind of, it wasn't just like a let's get better at golf thing. It was kind of just like a life thing. And I think that's the really cool part about it. And um, yeah.
4: So if you're not playing well, what are some of those tips and techniques that you use?
6: A lot of it is positive self-talk. That is huge. And then I have this saying, it's called BAMO, and it's breathe and move on. And I think that's huge as well. Just being able to like put the past in the past, control what we can control, um, really focus on what's staying in the moment, right? That's huge. And that's something we even talk about a lot as a team and something we've been working on is just staying in the moment, staying present. And um, I think that's, really important when things are going sideways like you can't change your last shot right and um, I think it's really important just I don't know I guess some things I do to stay present like kind of shut your eyes and you listen to your surroundings right you really dig into what's going on around you and which kind of takes your mind off golf for a second and allows you to just kind of sit there and regroup and um, stuff like that but a lot of the little acronyms and little sayings kind of we have like these little cues and Like, I wear bracelets sometimes that have little sayings on them, and they're kind of just like a reminder to, like, hey, kick it into gear. Like, you can do this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's hard to do on your own sometimes, so those little things are super important to kind of get you back into it.
4: So we have to talk about Augusta and the fact that you were selected to represent Team USA in the 2020 Arnold Palmer Cup, in addition to accepting an invitation to play in the 2020 Augusta National Women's Amateur What was your reaction when the Masters got postponed?
6: Oh, you know, I was looking forward to it a lot. Um, I was dealing with some things with my wrist. So I'm trying to look at it as a blessing in disguise that it's, you know, later on it gives me more time to prepare and add a few shots to my bag and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, I was disappointed. And especially when it was up in the air, that was – That was kind of scary and sad at the same time, because I was like, man, like, am I even going to get to play? Like, this is crazy. Um, But then once they figured out, okay, you can play in the next one, like, it's completely fine. So um, I think I'm okay with it. I'm still excited (laughs) I get to go. Um, I'm kind of sad I might not be able to go twice now, but that's okay. Um, But yeah, it's and then the Palmer Cup, that's moved to December, so that's um, fine as well we won't be going to Ireland, but, you know, it's it's still the same tournament, so I'm excited for that,
4: too. Uh, what was the communication like in both of those tournaments, communicating with you and the other golfers about, will you be able to play? I mean, Augusta's a dream, right? Like, people who yeah. just go to the Masters to watch, that's a dream, let alone play, so what was yeah. that communication like?
1: Um,
6: they called, Augusta called me, and they kind of continue to to keep me updated and send emails and they're like hey this is what this is the plan and then but it'll come out tomorrow so like don't say anything kind of thing um I think they just wanted to make sure everyone who got the chance this year still can have that chance and I I really appreciate that and that they didn't just kind of like blow it off and say we'll try it again next year um which is how some tournaments are right now especially like LPGA like they just got flat out canceled and that's I don't know, that's hard when that's, you know, your life and that's what you look forward to. Um, The Palmer Cup was good as well. I remember we were on our way back from Arizona um, before everything kind of got shut down, when our tournament got canceled there. And the Palmer Cup called me and they were like, hey, like, we just, we don't want you to make any decisions. Like, we still want you to play in this no matter when it is. Um, So basically saying like, don't drop out or anything. Um, Overall, it was, they're good. They were really accommodating to us, I think, and um, really kind of helping us through that time, whether it was golf or whatever we needed.
4: I'm bummed that you can't go to Ireland because when we originally found out and we, I interviewed you, you were so excited to go (laughs) overseas, (laughs) right? Like that was going to be so cool for you.
6: (laughs) I was excited. I was
4: excited, but
6: I mean, it's still an honor to play in the Arnold Palmer Cup and, you know, I'm excited no matter where it is. So, um, now we get to play his golf course, Bay Hill in Florida. So that's exciting too, like in its own way. Um, yeah,
4: it could be worse. Yeah,
6: yeah, no, it definitely <laughs> could.
4: <laughs> so you are the first Sooner woman to be named to the Palmer team, but there are two male golfers at OU that will also be playing kind of yes. with you at the Palmer Cup. That's Garrett and Quade Cummins. How special is it to first be the first OU female golfer to be playing?
6: pretty special um I mean I,
4: obviously I'm just excited to go but
6: it's always nice to represent the university and you know where OU stuff when you're there or whatever and obviously not on the golf course but um you know I like being the face of that and it's it's really special you know just like you said being from Oklahoma and um all that so I'm super honored to be able to do that
4: and the fact that you'll be playing with two other Sooners, now again on the male side, but both the women and the men practice at the Ransom Short Course, the Charlie Coe Center, right on the University of Oklahoma's campus. How has that new property, that new development, that new practice course helped your game improve over the last year or so?
6: That short course is amazing. Like, Oklahoma is pretty flat right and it's hard to find shots with elevation and slope and stuff and they did an amazing job adding all of that into the ransom short course and um I think just being able to see different looks and stuff because you know I grew up at OU coach v even let me practice out there when I was younger a few times I took lessons with the old assistant coach so I got to be on the co side of things um every once in a while and sometimes like it's the same look right so you kind of get used to it you kind of get better but Ransom you will not hit the same shot twice and I think that's just that's an important part of golf like you never hit the same shot twice and I think just being able to see it differently and I mean that course doesn't even look like it belongs in Oklahoma which is amazing (laughs) Um, so I think you know you get a lot of and it's always pure Cliff does a great job it's always pure the grass is always amazing and the greens are so fast and so slopey and You know, that's something we run into when we go to tournaments, too, is, like, we're, like, oh, my gosh, like, I've never seen this much slope in my life. And, you know, but now we have because we have it. Um, So I think that's really essential to how we can improve um, on the practice end of things.
4: Okay, Caitlin, just a couple more questions. Golf can be such an intimidating game to start, especially as an adult, right? What advice would you give girls or even women who are – a little nervous to get started. They don't want to go out and miss all the time. They think people are watching them off the tee. What <laughs> advice would you give new beginners?
6: Oh, gosh. Um, well, to be honest with you, I almost feel like a beginner right now. Like, I'm going on eight <laughs> weeks off. And um, I was out at the golf course the other day looking down the tee, and I was like, wow, that looks narrow. But, like, any other time, i just get up there and whack it and, like, not even think twice. But um, so I totally understand where they're coming from now. Um, but i would just say like honestly i think it's okay to acknowledge that it is hard like golf is hard and i think we forget that sometimes and you know it is a learning process but i think anyone can get out there and if you stick at it like i you can you can do it and also it's like a it's just a fun way to make friends and get out there with people especially now social distance um so i think it's just a really great place to you know make connections have relationships and um you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you play. As long as you're having fun, like, that's all that matters.
4: It's interesting you say we should acknowledge that the game itself is really hard. I was listening to a podcast from one of the PGA tours Tour players being interviewed, and he said that what bothers him about golf coverage sometimes is that they only show the good shots. They only yes. show the top few players in the league. They never show the yeah. bunker shots, unless they're fantastic bunker shots, right? Like They almost go in every time. Yeah. They're making 40-foot putts, and that's all <laughs> they show. So yeah. I think that's like, – acknowledging that the game is actually hard, and you're not going to play, like, a pro on the LPGA, like, that's important.
6: I agree. And I think it, that took me a while to realize. Like, I probably was in college before I, you know, realized, wait, they're not perfect all the time? like, oh okay cool because I'm not either like that's good to know because they do show like every time they show a putt on the PGA Tour they make it and you're just mm-hmm. like oh my gosh I have to make them all we even as a team we look up the stats like putting stats on tour and Serm is like what What do you think it is and I'm like I don't know like 90 percent and he's like 32 and I'm like because well, that's all you see is it going in every time or if they hit a bunker shot you're right it like either lips out or it goes in or it's this far and two inches or something and um but it's also good to see them like I don't want to say this but it's good to see them mess up like that mm-hmm. that's good for me because okay they're not perfect and they are practicing and they are just like me and that's fine and it is hard golf is hard and I sometimes it takes you like not playing your best or having a new look or whatever me taking this much time off I'm like wow golf is hard like holy moly like I hit the middle of the face, like, nine times out of ten, and that's, that's hard. Like, how do I do that? I don't know. <laughs> like,
4: <laughs> how do I even do that? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question for you before I let you go. I appreciate you taking all this time out early on a Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> this is strictly selfish for me. My short game is absolute trash. Like, I can't chip <laughs> to save my life, Caitlin, so. I raised the question, give me a couple tips and tricks to hit a decent 60 degree wedge, a 56, anything.
6: Okay, some things me and Serm talk about with me is I tend to grip it really hard. And if you're not comfortable, your grip gets tighter. Um, So make sure your hands are super soft. And my dad always says like you're holding a baby bird, which I've never held a baby bird. So that analogy is kind of hard, but, Make sure your grip tension is super, like, light, like you're barely holding on to it. And then one thing that's huge for me is really making sure my weight is on my front foot because I tend to hit behind it a lot. So really making sure my weight is on my front foot and then just turning it just through. All
4: right. I will implement them as soon as I can right, get on the course. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will. I, I'm not kidding. It's, it's garbage. I really need. <laughs> I'm, like, putting from, like, the fairway because I don't trust my chips game
6: like hey, it's grass. so bad do a hybrid do you have a hybrid yeah use a hybrid really oh yeah it's amazing okay
4: okay I'm gonna try a hybrid and then I'll put my foot I'll put the weight on my front foot ease up my grip and I will keep you updated okay <laughs> Sounds good. all right Caitlin thanks so much for your time and uh, stay safe out there
3: Well, thanks for having me, you guys, too. Here's What's on Tap, brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma. Tomorrow, the 2013 OU at Notre Dame is featured in our Sooner Classics. And then on Friday, Grace Lyons joins us for a complete recap of the wild end to the 2020 softball season. And this weekend, it's the 2015 thriller between OU and Tennessee. Again, that's What's on Tap, brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma. For Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma updates, please check out bcbsok.com. With regard to medical treatment, members should call the number on their ID card for answers to their specific benefit questions. Our members' well being remains our top priority as we continue to monitor developing news about COVID 19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website is the best source for all the most up to date COVID 19 information. Okay, as we wrap things up here on the Sooner Sports Podcast, our OU Women's Wednesday edition with Jess and Meg. Um, great stuff from Taylor Robertson, and then closing it out from Caitlin Milligan. And uh, Meg, again, I, I think you, you guys talked a lot about her potentially playing in Augusta. And uh, maybe what pe- listeners might not know is that this is still a fairly new thing. Uh, you know, women were not allowed to even play on the course At Augusta National for years and years and years and it's still very very hard to even get to play on that course so Julie and Sue was the first OU women to actually get the invite in the uh, inaugural tournament a a year ago and she talked about just how big of an honor it is to be a woman to get to play on that course because for so long women weren't allowed to play on the course.
4: Yeah Jess and we even dive into some advice that she gives to girls or women that may feel intimidated because it still is somewhat of a a sport where women just aren't encouraged to play as much. So that advice she gave was super cool to me. And then of course the advice she gave to my own personal game because my short game is just garbage. So (laughs) I think a lot of people know I'm a fan girl of Caitlin Milligan. Her just having the chance to play in Augusta, it's gonna be huge come November. And then the Arnold Palmer Cup, that's a Ryder Cup style. She'll get to represent team USA and that will be in December. So huge bright future for the junior, uh, in Caitlin
3: Milligan for sure. So we should just call this the fan girl episode of this. That's Cedar what I'm Sports thinking. Podcast. When
4: we, when we originally scheduled these two, I was like, okay, Jess loves basketball. I love golf. Like this is the perfect week for the two of us.
3: Yeah. I just, I think it's so interesting again, just, uh, both, uh, both, athletes such cool unique stories and both going to be around so you know sooner fans uh get to know them follow them because you're going to see great things for both of them coming up uh in the future once they uh, get to return to their uh, respective sports so all right that will do it for this edition of the sooner sports podcast Jess and meg edition on this ou women's wednesday again follow us on twitter at jessica cootie at meg underscore underscore mcdonald love to get your thoughts who you would like to have here on the podcast. And uh, thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you next week here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Let's
4: jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for
0: muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.